0: i
1: evening and welcome to tonight's edition of the FIFA World Cup Show. Indeed, it's a good time to be alive and we thank the God Almighty for giving us the grace and strength to see a beautiful day like this. Welcome to the FIFA World Cup Show. It's one year to go until the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. One year until Lionel Messi in Argentina attempt to add the World Cup to their Copa American glory. One year until Kylian Mbappe and France defend the trophy. One year until Belgium, Belgium's golden generation fights for the, for the silverware their talent deserves. One year until the U.S. men's national team, new generation, gets a chance to shine on the biggest stage. One year until Neymar's potential final shots are the ultimate goal with Brazil. One year until Italy look to add to their European triumph. One year until Ronaldo and Portugal chase the World Cup dream again. One year until Spain, new, Spain's new kids attempt to create their own history. Ladies and gentlemen, on tonight's show... We'll celebrate Ghana's all-time leading goal scorer, 51 goals, and Africa's top scorer, six goals at the World Cup. Is no other person than Asamoah Gyan. We'll be celebrating him tonight on the show, and we'll go into a little bit into details when the time comes. And but tonight, it's a special birthday dedication to Africa's leading goal scorer at the World Cup, and a special dedication of tonight's program to his legacy. And achievements on and off the field. As Samuajan, wherever you are tonight, it's a special, special happy birthday from your very good friend and brother, Philip Alimo, to you. Tonight as well, we will be exploring Cutter's 11 year journey to hosting the entire world at one of the world's largest sports gatherings. We'll also, over the weekend, we'll, uh, there was a Formula One uh, race in Doha that coincided with the launch and celebrations to mark one-year anniversary or one-year countdown to the World Cup next year in Qatar. A year from now, you and I would have watched the opening ceremony in the first game of the tournament and then watching subsequent games. So tonight, Chase and I will also discuss What that means for Formula One, what that means for the World Cup and the people of Qatar in entirety. Tonight, wherever you are, wherever you are joining us from, good evening to you once again. Good evening. So um, first on the bill tonight, uh, Chase and I will discuss the Formula One race that happened over the weekend. So let me pick Chase, and then we go
2: straight. Philip, how are you? Nice to speak I'm with you. I'm fine.
1: It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Chase. How are you doing? And how was the weekend?
2: Weekend was good. Um, was with some family, just kind of people getting in town for the holidays here. It's been crazy hot. It was about 90 degrees in Los Angeles. So um, strange weather, but um, uh, no complaints from me. Uh, I'm excited to get into it. There was a an awesome race um lewis hamilton won obviously people know this but um it was it was great to see the the, the first race at the at the new circuit so the the cutter the cutter grand prix is off to a good start and um excited to talk formula 1 and a little bit of soccer as well yes
1: and uh, talking about that um what do you make of um lewis hamilton's um victory and i think that is his 30th or 35th victory Um, on different circuits. Uh, Maybe you can give us a bit more details into that.
2: Well, Lewis is, I mean, he's kind of been on a war path. uh, He he won in Brazil and uh, a lot of people didn't think he could win there. So it was an impressive victory on a street circuit. The the Red Bull had had the pace. It was was looking like Max Verstappen could kind of wrap up the championship and that those Red Bull cars were a lot quicker than the Mercedes. But... um, I don't know what they've been doing, what Toto Wolf has been pulling in Mercedes, but they've been very, very quick, and Lewis specifically has been driving that car better than anyone. He's just um, kind of on a warpath, and it, it looks like um, even though Max is ahead, or Steppen's ahead in the points, it's it's going to be uh, maybe this weekend that uh, Lewis catches him and, and kind of just wins this whole championship. But uh, there's a lot to kind of go into because, you know, it, it, a lot of things could happen. It's, I mean, in Formula One, like, it's not oncoming for, for drivers to crash and to have cars break down. So um, any little minor thing could um, result in someone winning this championship. But um, it's as exciting of a, as a, of a season in Formula 1 as I've ever been a part, I've been a part of watching. So um, I'm excited.
1: Yes, I could, I, I, could, I could tell the excitement in your voice. I'm also an F1 fan. And uh, talking about F1 and uh, the World Cup. Yesterday, um, and you know Qatar has been working very hard um, to shape uh, people's mindset on its ability to stage the global showpiece. And um, yesterday, uh, Qatar sent a clear statement to the world that it's indeed ready to host the rest of us a year from now at the World Cup. So my question, um, the race was keenly contested Max is currently on top with 351.5 points. Lewis is trailing him closely with 343.5 points. Looking at yesterday's race in Doha, do you think um, the circuit had an impact on the eventual outcome of the race and uh, what it meant to the entire F1 in,
2: in, in totality? um i i do i i just think it's it was very important um that max picked up that that fastest lap i think um that specifically that point will all these points will will come ultimately into this championship outcome um but specifically having this race at doha like it's been very fascinating to end the season um with some of these middle eastern Circuits. Um, I think it's super exciting for the global development of the sport, and there's definitely quite a bit of intrigue. Um, not just in Europe. I mean, Europe is uh, going to always be the hotbed of, of F1 fandom, but you're you're seeing, especially in America, um, they're expanding more more circuits, and now they're going to have a Miami race as well as the Austin one, and and then the Middle East. Obviously, um, drivers like Lewis Hamilton are incredibly incredibly popular i think it just um it's great for the sport and uh this this um this specific championship race couldn't have come at a better time because i think it's captivating a lot of just more casual fans that haven't been following the sport because it's 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 hard to just follow a sport where you know the lewis hamilton's just going to win every year um having this season with um with an actual comp- competition involved it's it's just it's it's good for it's good for viewers I think
1: yeah and uh, talking about competition that reminds me of the F1 um is I think is it 2014 2015 if you can you can you, you, I stand to be corrected where the race was defined, was 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 defined and decided on the last day with Nico Rosberg I think that was 2015
2: yeah uh, maybe 2014 was that uh 20 Let me look you're t- are you talking about Lewis Hamilton's first um championship
1: not the first champion it's i uh, is i'm talking about Lewis hamilton's actual competition where uh, the race was actually between him and nick roseberg it went it went neck to neck right until the final race day in abu dhabi i think this was 2014
2: oh, okay i think so i think 2014 i'll double check yeah. that though. and
1: um i think um uh, this season we are we are having we are going to have something similar and um For example, if Lewis wins in Saudi Arabia with the fastest lap and Max finishes second, they head to Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in the final race on equal points. Do you think Max can sustain the race and win? Or do you think Lewis would defend his title once again and stamp his authority as a king of the the circuit?
2: I, I actually think that Lewis is going to, to win. I, and I, and I say this as someone that roots for, for Max to win. I want to see new blood, but it's just going to be hard for me to see Lewis giving it up. He's, I think they have this car going super fast. Max is a very aggressive driver, but his, his inexperience just has shown itself this season. He's had a few opportunities, um, specifically the first race of the year, like to win it and he just hasn't. He's, he's been overeager and, and has been outdriven, frankly, in somewhat of a faster car than Lewis. So I have to give the edge to Lewis.
1: Oh, awesome, 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 Chase. Just before we wrap up with you, Chase, what do you think of Qatar's preparedness to host the world at the, at, the, at the World Cup next year after yesterday's uh, Formula One race in Doha? Listen.
2: Philip, I have to be honest with you. I think there's still a slight chance that they change the location of this World Cup. Uh, I, I think that they're, they actually showed a little bit. I mean, the fact that they were able to host a very a successful Grand Prix was good, but I don't know. Um, FIFA is a different animal. There's a different uh, politics behind um, all these teams. And uh, it would not shock me to see this World Cup moved even at the last minute.
1: Wow, wow, wow. That's some wild uh, uh, um, assertions there uh, from Chase. Uh, Chase, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you uh, this evening um, discuss uh, last night's Formula One race in Doha. And um, tonight we'll continue the rest of the program uh, where we celebrate Gannett's all-time leading goal scorer, 51 goals. Um, Africa's top scorer, six goals at the World Cup, Gyan. and um, let's take a look back at his six goals at the World Cup, we take the feed Here's a chase for Gyan. he's one
0: on two It is Gyan. he's in the area He scores! Chance for the penalty spots to sit Serbia. Jan steps up, Smokovic goes the wrong way, and Gardner are going the right way. The deadlock finally broken with six minutes to play. Gardner's leading goal scorer in world Cup, he scored four years ago as well. Looks to get an equalizer here. He's sent short to the long way. The Black Stars are celebrating the equaliser, which has taken just 14 minutes in planning. Well, let's look forward. Here's a chase for Gian. He's one on two. It is Gian. He's in the area. He scores! Garner back in front. A goal. An individual brilliance. Ever, Samua Gian. Great, great goal from Gian. We got him! It. It's and through to Chad. It's outside, it's a Samadja, it's 2
1: That's Asamuajan's six goals at the Mundial and um, top, 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 top African football legend and world football legend. Gyan. wherever you are, it's a happy 36th birthday to you um, for the purposes of our listeners and those tuning into the show who don't know who Gyan is. Gyan is the first man to score in nine consecutive conservati- major tournaments, major international tournaments, the 2006 World Cup the 2008 African Cup of Nations, 2010 African Cup of Nations, 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa, 2012 African Cup of Nations, 2013 African Cup of Nations, 2014 FIFA World Cup, 2015 African Cup of Nations and 2017 African Cup of Nations. That is a Sam for you is Africa's leading goal scorer at the World Cup and ghana's all time all time goal scorer with 51 goals, with 51 goals. And talking about his goals, um, we, we caught up with the legend and uh, to ask him um, to describe what went into some of his goals From the at the Mundial. I remember
3: the captain of the team so that was up here. He just locked the ball in with his right foot. And there was one defender, uh, Thomas Alpholzzi or something. Yeah, he was in front of me. He died to hurt the ball. He couldn't get it. So the ball came like that, something like that to me. So I just have to test it down and let it shoot it like that. It was the fastest goal in the 2006 World Cup. It's also a record
1: there. So. Um, I have time. Yes, and that is Asimha Jan talking about the fastest goal in the history of the World Cup. This was in 2006, his goal against the Czech Republic. And no other, no other goalkeeper than Peter Czech. This is a Czech Republic team that at the time in 2006 from the fifa rankings they were the number two number two second top leading nation based on the fifa rankings in 2006 and for samajan at a young age just about 22 years to have scored the fastest goal still in the history of the tournament that is impressive so we hear again from the legend his his subsequent goals at the mundial and what went into those goals
3: a contract is one company you know what you company five hours before the game you know so i had to just do something to show that company i did something for them i had to just clean my book like that it, it became very famous but they did it and we were happy the defender i saw you know what you company five hours before the game, you know, so I had to just do something to show that company I did something for them. I had to just play my book like that. It, it became very famous. But they did it and we were happy. The defender I saw was Carlos Bocanegra, who was my teammate at that time. I was watching the ball. He tried to distract me by making a tactical foul. I had to keep my composure. The ball dropped and
1: then So this is Asamuajan talking about that famous goal he scored against the USA at the 2010 World Cup that qualified Ghana to the quarterfinals of that tournament. So let's continue to hear from Asamuajan as he described what went into that crucial goal.
3: I hit it with my left foot. I hit it so hard, the goalkeeper had no chance. Ghana has qualified to the quarterfinals.
1: OK, so next, Asamwajan will be telling us what went into that goal that is called to give Ghana the 2-1 lead at the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Fortaleza against no other goalkeeper than Neuer. Neuer, Neuer, Neuer. German, German, German's top goalkeeper, safest pair of hands, yet Asamwajan showed that indeed he is Africa's leading goal scorer. Let's listen to Jan.
3: Sule intercepted the ball. He saw me in the limit of the outside position. He passed the ball. So I, I controlled it in front of me. And then I saw Noya. So I had to hit it so strong to his right. So I just hit it so strong on his, his right, like that. We had to do the, the dance as usual as because that, that is my trademark. And then people call it the zombie dance, you know. So it was that we didn't we do did, we did, we did that, something
1: like that. I, I felt so proud and so honored to, to score five goals. Yes, yeah, so that is a Samoa jan Indeed, you are not just proud, but we are also very proud of you. And we are proud to be associated with you. And hopefully for subsequent shows, subsequent episodes, we look forward to having the, the legend with us and uh, joining us on the show. On the show. Tonight we continue. From the left, we we continue tonight's program. We continue tonight's uh, tonight's program, and we we will be taking an interview from him um, to describe to us what went into his footballing career, his journey in, in football. His is, is, journey in football and everything that concerns that concerns him. But then, um, whilst we, we we try to get the feed, whilst we try whilst we try to, to get a feed, um, we will be speaking. Can we? Uh, we'll take we'll take, we'll take um, some few opinions from Chase whilst we we try to sort out a few technical. Yes, technical, technical things.
0: So,
1: Chase. Hello? 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 Yes, Chase. So, whilst we wait to, um, to, to take a Samarjan's interview, um, could you please um, share with us more light on why you think... Um, Qatar will not be in a position um, to host the rest of the world next year.
2: I listen and i I could be wrong here, but um, I just feel as if if enough players sort of show backlash to going there and if there's um, any sort of human rights discussion or any discussion about like interlap with the club season um, it, it could be. Disastrous for not just uh, FIFA, but their 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 television partners um, so there could be internal pressure to move it to uh, a location that could easily handle it like a maybe like a France or an england um but you know I think those those contingency plans are always just be built on the back end they they won 't talk about it but they they will always make um you know sort of backup options in the case that that happens but Ultimately, I do think uh, Qatar will happen. Um, it just it it could be um, a bit of a bumpy road until we get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Um, and and all. And talking about bumpy a, a, a bumpy road when we get there. When we get there. Um, looking at the whole situation with the COVID, the pandemic. Do you think uh, Qatar has what it takes? To, to 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 rise above the the covet the, the COVID situation and the challenges that has come with it, especially throughout the qualifiers and um, having some of the games postponed and all do you think so the question is do you think Qatar will be able to host the rest of the world in the light of the current pandemic
2: i ultimately I think they'll throw enough money at it that they that it will help um, solve a lot of the issues. Um, we've seen a big sporting events happen. We saw the Olympics go through. We we've seen obviously the NBA bubble being the first big um, undertaking. So there's sort of a playbook for how to handle like large sporting events in the light of the pandemic. But um, you know, it's, it's such a player focused, you know, endeavor. You, you just want it all to make sense. You don't want it to feel like um, this, these squads aren't sending their best players and, and guys are just sort of taking this one off because You know, we only get this World Cup four four times, you know, every four years. So you just you just want to make sure it feels special. And uh, as an American fan, I'm really excited about this team. I think come next year, like you could have a really strong group of players like Pulisic we talked about. But um, even Dest and some of some of the other like McKinney, I think that this team could be really strong. And especially if some of the best in Europe are, are playing in their club season. There's an outside chance of, of the U.S. making like a lot of noise, um, especially prior to the North American World Cup. So I'm excited either way, but uh, it, yeah, there could. Be...
1: And so talking about uh, the U.S. team and all, uh, let's, let's let's let me take you back a bit to the qualifiers and um, the next the next phase of the qualifiers. The U.S. we play in Canada um, uh, next uh, in the next round of the qualifiers. Uh, what do you make? What do you make of that game? What do you make of that game, especially given the the form in which Canada find themselves in now? Uh...
2: I mean, it's it's a big game. I mean, it's so much, so many high stakes in this game um, that it's 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 going to be a really fascinating one. I, that letdown against Jamaica stung, you know. Hopefully, we can kind of re- resoundingly uh, answer a lot of questions about our ability to kind of like close the door on some teams because. We've we, we come out strong and then we'll we'll let these um these lesser talent like less talented teams come back. So ultimately I think the US should win this. Um but they they have to bring it and uh I mean I I don't know. It's 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 do or die time. There's just no reason we shouldn't qualify. Exactly,
1: exactly. I like the word do or die time. There's no reason why the US um shouldn't qualify here, especially uh, looking at a pool of talents at their disposal at the, at, the, at the moment, at the moment, at the moment. So, uh, Chase, thank you so much um, for, for sharing your thoughts with us and um, bailing us out when we had a few technical challenges. Um, I think we we'll, we'll want to go back to our feed and um, hear from um uh, Jenny in the APL through to the UAE, through to India, to China, and to Ghana. So we'll take that feed.
0: The stage
3: is set Ghana take on Uruguay In the World Cup quarter-final. It was one of the best workouts I've ever seen Africa was hosting it. Great moment I think I uh, was the top 3 best players in the world at that time In South Africa
4: Well just when you thought the game was going to a penalty shootout Asamoah Jan now has the chance To
0: send
3: Ghana through With the last kick in extra time Whether you
0: like it or not, you cannot escape. You
3: are in a cage, you have to fight. Asamarajan. Oh, he's missed it. Would you believe it? break for Ghana. The penalty, I would say, is one of the disappointing things in my career. i felt like um, i let africa down um i left my country down um i missed that penalty the last moment and ghana would have been the 1st African country to qualify to the semi final unfortunately it didn't happen um it's been 10 years it always goes through my mind i wish i, I could have that penalty again but life goes on you know um, i think uh i've done a lot in football i've got an amazing career um i need to be grateful i need to be thankful for everything you know so life goes on i was born i was born in accra i bought and bred in accra you know so i always tell everybody i'm a Accra boy my father was um, a football player uh he didn't play to the professional level but he was he was a very good player my mom was um was also in sports she was in the national team the, the, the netball team, you know, and uh, uh, so you can see the sports is in the family.
0: The strike. Wonderful goal. Wonderful.
3: Great influence. I remember he was making Ghana so proud, you know, I had, anytime I see him, I have to just go sit in front of the television, very close range, to see him um, scoring goals uh, when he was playing uh, in Frankfurt. And then this got him Tony Boa was one of the great strikers um I, I i looked up to you know when i was a kid and um my dream was to also play in england at that time uh, i was playing for the liberty academy because my brother also played for liberty he had a, a very good scouts you know who go around the um, country to look for players um, and, um acn was from the central region they went there to to bring him you know solely from the South region you know um, there were a lot of great talents uh, in Accra as well, you know. So Liberty, I was thinking Liberty at that time was was a special team. Uh, I made my debut uh, at the age of 17, you know, and I was doing well, you know. So um, uh, they had connections outside, you know, like um, there are a lot of teams in Europe that normally take the young players, you know. So I, I was invited to uh, Udinese at that time for a trial. I didn't have a playing time in uh, Udinese, and then Modena saw me, uh, the coach was uh, Stefano Pioli, um, the coach of AC Milan right now. You know, he saw me and then um, he invited me to come for a loan, you know. So I played two seasons in Modena, till I went to the 2006 World Cup. And then I was ready. After the World Cup, I was ready, and I felt like I was ready to, to compete. Uh, I was doing well in the league, and then, um, I had an offer from Man City at that time. Um, when Erickson was was the head coach. And um, I think um, my last game before joining um, the the Black Stars, um, I had a burning, injury. You know, it was so painful that I couldn't even kick the ball. And then uh, 2008 was my first African Cup, and Ghana was hosting it. You know, so I said to myself, there is no way I will miss it. You know, so I had to do everything possible to come down to to join the team. I had to be injected to play. I was dying for the country. I had a huge contract to sign. I ignored it, came, and then, and unfortunately, uh, I got injured, and then the the day was off. I remember that time, was it my first time the the nation criticized me? It was, it was, I'm I'm, I'm being emotional right now, because that time was, I can't even say it. I'm being emotional I'm being emotional right now, but <sighs> um, I owe their fans a lot. I left to Sunderland to Alain because Alain made an offer and I think I need to clear the air. You know, when they made the offer, it was Sunderland who agreed because I didn't know anything about um, Alain at that time. I felt like they needed the money. Um, I have to go. You know, and this is the truth about my move when I, when I went to China um, that was my biggest day in my career so when I went to SIPG, that was when the injuries started, you know, I tried myself to come back uh, because of the mental toughness, you know, but anytime I'm on a field I'm, I'm, I'm able to deliver, that is, the, that is the most important thing, that is what makes me happy but after my um, last club India, Lagos City contacted me. I went there to see them. And as a profession, with my experience, I felt like it's the best for me. I'm back after 17 years, and I think um, I'll bring exposure to the league. There are a lot of players in the Ghana who look up to me as well. So the most important thing is to bring more exposure to the league.
1: Yeah, that is Africa's leading goal scorer at the World Cup and Ghana's all time goal scorer. Asamuajan, and uh, what a touching, what an inspiring story from Asamuajan. We heard him speak, give us 1st experience, how he felt missing that crucial kick at the World Cup against Uruguay, what went into his goal against the USA in 2010 to qualify Ghana to the quarterfinal, his career in, in, from the EPL all the way to the UAE, to India, to China, and coming, coming back after 17 years to play in the Ghana Premier League, I think Asamwajan deserves to be celebrated. And uh, tonight on this show, like we always do and what this show is all about, we celebrate an outstanding Ghanaian talent, an outstanding African talent, and an outstanding one of Ghana's biggest exports to the world. Ghana's biggest export to the world. Asamwajan, wherever you are tonight or wherever you are, that you'll be listening to this podcast. A happy birthday to you once again from philip and um, going to our next episode uh, we 'll be looking at carte 's preparedness, uh, uh, preparedness to host the rest of the world and talking about carte 's preparedness to host the rest of the world we want to give the world the, our audience a, a preview a preview of what to expect in terms in terms in terms of Carter's ability to to host to host the rest of 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 the world of the world and talking about that um would we'll, would we'll, would we'll go straight to our soundbite and should time permit us we would we would we would we would we would we would also look at some past games the finals so let's take the feed
5: for World Cup Qatar 2022 monthly magazine show. In this first episode, we recap Qatar's journey in the last 10 years. 2022, FIFA World Cup is Qatar! This was the moment when the world discovered that the Middle Eastern state of Qatar had won the right to host the FIFA World Cup in 2022. The date was the 2nd of December 2010, and there were euphoric scenes in Doha, the capital city of Qatar. Ali Issa was 20 years old and was at the heart of the celebrations. He was ecstatic with the news and remembers the announcement
6: well. When Blatter pulled out the envelope, Qatar's name was on it. I think many people thought they were dreaming. I was one of them. Qatar will host the World Cup in 2022. It's all wonderful memories. But the moment that Blatter announced Qatar would host the World Cup, it made the whole Arab world ecstatic.
5: Qatar is a small country but with giant aspirations and the work began immediately to create a complete infrastructure suitable for welcoming millions of football fans to the biggest show on earth. We view sports
4: not just purely as a participatory event or something that we can come and host or whatever but it always was an opportunity, it was always a catalyst, it was always a vehicle to take us from one state to another, from one position to another. We're crazy about football We love football, the Middle East.
1: And that's Hassan, the chairman of the local organizing committee, speaking. So we listen to him.
4: Is, you know, one of the most passionate regions that loves this game from all walks of life and all walks of society. Papa is no exception. The Arab world really wanted to host this tournament. You know, there's a passion for it. And we believe that we were in a position to be
5: able to host and prepare ourselves to host it on behalf of the Middle East and the Arab world. Eight football stadiums have been planned specifically for the FIFA World Cup, and all will be completed by the end of this year. Dreamt up by some of the world's leading architects, the stadiums for the first World Cup in the Middle East are some of the most ambitious, visually exciting venues ever conceived. They're designed to reflect the rich culture of Qatar. And while it's important for Qatar to honour its past, the stadiums have been built with three leading-edge priorities in mind: access and comfort, sustainability, and post-tournament legacy. Each stadium had a
4: unique story beyond the World Cup, beyond being a stadium. Our aim was for the for the, for the stadium itself to be a centre for the community. Now, that's having said that, of course, you know we ensure that each stadium is unique, represents something unique. Attached to the heritage of, of uh, the state of Papua and the Arab world.
5: The transport infrastructure has been completely transformed in Qatar.
7: We've looked at the metro lines and uh, we wanted to make sure that.
1: So this is Nasser Fahad al Qatar, the CEO for the FIFA World Cup speaking about carcass infrastructure development and its preparedness to host the rest of the world. Let's take the feed. Most of the stadiums are accessible
7: by these metro stations. Also, the road infrastructure, which is almost almost complete, we're probably around 90-95% complete with all the roads infrastructure. I mean, we see this huge change uh, in the roads here in Qatar. And uh, for us, we feel that, you know, it'll make it very easy for the fans to get from, from one place to the other. Fans would actually be having the opportunity to see more than one game in a day. And I don't think, you know, this is ever going to happen again.
6: The blend of hospitality that they will receive as soon as they set foot in the country.
1: So that is Colin Smith. Um, FIFA Chief Tournaments and Events Officer also giving us his thoughts and what he thinks about Qatar's preparedness to host the rest of the world. Let's hear from Colin.
6: Compact nature allowing them to see multiple matches and also the cultural activities that will go on around the World Cup from concerts, fan fests, uh, visiting museums, the dunes, the desert. um, There's a rich fabric. Uh, of activities for people to explore and discover.
5: Since Qatar was named as host of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, Ali Issa, like all the residents of Qatar, has marvelled at the speed of the way the nation has developed.
6: The historical day of December 2nd, 2010 will forever be etched on my mind and the minds of all Qataris. I hope I live to see this historic event
5: 1st of February 2019 was a day of huge celebrations for the Qatar national football team. When the final whistle blew at Zayed Sports City Stadium in Abu Dhabi, Qatar had beaten Japan 3-1, and in doing so had won their maiden continental title. This was the perfect springboard for the country that will host the FIFA World Cup in November and December 2022. The tournament's leading assist maker, Akram Afif, with 10 to his credit, and top goal scorer Amoz Ali, who set a new tournament record with nine goals, were key to this victory. The story began under the tutelage of Felix Sanchez at the Aspire Academy in Qatar. The head coach developed this group of young players and turned them into Asian champions. Very happy
3: for for the players and all the people in Qatar that they are supporting.
1: So that is head coach of the Qatar national team, Felix Sanchez, uh, speaking to us and telling us what he thinks about Qatar's national team preparedness and winning the 2019 asian cup tournament which is their first major trophy as a nation so let's hear from felix sanchez
3: supporting us from the beginning very well deserved very happy no
5: words For the players, it was the culmination of years of hard work, learning from some of the greatest football minds using the latest methods in one of the most advanced footballing environments in the world. Aspire Academy was founded in 2004 to scout and help develop Qatari athletes while also providing them with secondary school education. And here were two of its finest students celebrating on a global footballing stage
6: the Academy has certainly made me the professional player I am now. It has paved the way for us to become professional players. It has provided us national team players.
1: So that is Ali, the top goal scorer at the Asian football tournament in twenty nineteen, speaking about how Carter's policy development plan was setting up the ASPA Academy in 2004 has helped shape his career. So let's hear from Ali.
6: With so many fond memories, going back to our early club careers, it has helped us tremendously, both in our studies and football careers. When we were kids, we were only focused on football. But when we entered the academy, we learned what football was all about while continuing our studies. We became very good students, as well as very good footballers.
5: Young footballers at the academy are given the opportunity to test themselves regularly against international competition. Every year since 2012, Aspire Academy has hosted its own prestigious football tournament. The Alcas International Cup brings 12 of the world's best football academies to Qatar for 12 days of football. Back in 2013 exactly six years before the asian cup success the head coach felix Sanchez was the mastermind behind a 3-1 victory for aspire academy against their liverpool countercarts scoring one of the goals that day was akram afif with positive development like this The vision, commitment, and investment has certainly been worth it. (laughs) Fast forward six years to February 2019, and having returned home as national heroes, the Asian champions had no time to rest on their laurels. Participation in the 2019 Copa America was their next step. The 2020 global pandemic halted Qatar's on-field plans, but a full calendar of fixtures in Europe, North America, and a second Copper America venture later this year will ensure that the 2022 host will be ready for their biggest challenge ever. 126 days after French fans celebrated their second FIFA World Cup triumph, the 850 matches plus qualifying process for the next edition started in June 2019. For some, World Cup triumph means something very different to being crowned champions or even reaching the finals. The launch of that long and winding road to the 22nd FIFA World Cup was in Asia. Pakistan and 11 other nations entered a preliminary knockout phase.
6: We came here despite the tough situation in Pakistan. Some players couldn't come, but most of us did.
3: We are here for our
6: country and for this flag. We love representing our nation and will make them proud.
5: Trailing Cambodia 2 0, Pakistan pulled one back with this first half penalty by their Danish based captain Hassan Bashir. (laughs) But two unanswered second half goals brought an end to Pakistan's dream of reaching Asia's first round group stage. I
3: think it's great to be here in Qatar, to be the first team to actually be here. You know, I think it's a good experience, for all of us, and a little taster of what could come. So hopefully, you know, it's a good um, motivation to be here um, on a more regular basis. Pakistan!
5: For the first time, FIFA did not stage a centralised qualifying draw. Asia was the first to map out the road to Qatar for its 40 remaining nations last July. Group winners and the top four runners up will advance to the final 12 team qualifying stage. CAF held the draw for the next stage of their qualifiers last January in Cairo. The six rounds of 10 group matches are scheduled between June and October this year. The 10 group winners will go into a further draw for five final playoff series. Following a six-month delay, South America's qualifying started last October. Colombia's 6-1 humbling by Ecuador was their worst qualifier defeat in 43 years. With 14 rounds of matches to be played, Los Cafeteros are hoping to return to the big stage for the seventh time. The situation
0: for these second in third stage in the final.
5: The CONCACAF draw was held at the FIFA headquarters in Zurich last August. A new format has placed 30 of their 35 members in a preliminary qualifying process. Three nations will emerge to join the Confederations top five sides in the expanded final octagonal round. Europe were the last to stage their draw. UEFA's 10 group winners, along with three playoff victors, will make up the continent's 13 team contingent for the finals in Qatar in 2022. <laughs> time Oceania finalists, New Zealand, and 10 of their fellow OFC nations, are slated to start their delayed qualifying process in late June. <laughs> Pakistan's participation ensured that for the first time all FIFA's member associations entered qualifiers. Of the 211 entrants, 185 are still in contention. They'll face each other and a global pandemic on and off the field when qualifiers in Asia, Europe, South America and CONCACAF resume in earnest in March. The 22nd FIFA World Cup have had to wait longer than all previous hosts for their time to arrive. A decade on from their award, and there is still 22 months to the big kickoff. Qatar has been literally rebuilding a whole country, not just eight stadiums. Much of this mega-construction project has been part of the Qatar National Vision 2030.
3: When we came to,
4: you know, to, to plan for the World Cup, we did not come and impose the World Cup requirements on the country's development plans.
1: So that is the chairman of the World Cup, Hassan al Tawadi, speaking. Let's listen to him. We looked at the country's overall development plans.
4: We looked at the country's aspirations. And we used the World Cup as a vehicle, as an accelerator, to push start some projects and to ensure that they delivered on time and on budget. And at the same time, you know, or to view the World Cup as a milestone to achieve certain goals that then will allow us to achieve the bigger goals.
5: Construction of the eight FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 venues started in December 2014. Khalifa International Stadium was the first of the proposed FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 venues to complete its redevelopment in May 2017.
7: We've been working hard as an organizing committee for the World Cup with the host country.
1: So that is Nasa, the CEO for the FIFA World Cup uh, local organizing committee, again speaking on Qatar's preparedness. Development so
7: far has been immense. I mean, you look at the infrastructure, um, the readiness of the stadiums. So now we're really focusing on the operational aspects and the fan experience aspects of the tournament.
5: The tournament emblem was revealed on the 3rd of September 2019, a milestone that gave the Arab world's first FIFA World Cup its own distinct identity.
7: The emblem is heavily, heavily influenced by the local tradition and the local culture. It's a representative of the the shawl, and the shawl is a a piece of fabric that men wear uh, during the winter. Women also wear it uh, as a a shawl does. It represents different parts of the the Arab region and the MENA region as well and uh, just like other, other elements of the World Cup, is heavily based and reflective of, of the local culture.
5: While the Education City Stadium had a virtual launch, the Algenoud Stadium had enjoyed its grand opening with the 2019 Amir Cup final. The Ahmed bin Ali Stadium became the fourth venue to be in full operational mode during the 2020 Amir Cup final. 2021 will see the launch of the four remaining World Cup venues. The 24th of July 2020. The 16th season of the Qatar Stars League resumed its schedule after a 139-day hiatus. Football, like all aspects of life, came to a complete halt last year. To restart, football authorities would have to plan meticulously to combat the spread of COVID-19. And when football did resume, there was no doubt who the heroes were.
7: Our goal was to provide medical assistance to everybody in the country.
1: So this is the medical technical consultant for the Amdan Medical Corporation, Ahmed Garabi, speaking about Qatar's preparedness from the medical side, and what the pandemic, uh, uh, the challenge of pandemic, drew at Qatar, and how Qatar rose above the challenge to prepare for the World Cup. So let's hear hear from Hamid.
0: Players,
7: officials, delegates, uh, uh, spectators, uh, contractors, broadcasters, uh, workforce, volunteers, everybody must receive medical primary and emergency medical coverage.
5: With such extensive care, Qatar Stars League crowned their 2019-20 season in late August. The Asian Football Confederation took note of that achievement and sought Qatar's assistance to stage their own interrupted prime club competition in a centralized format in Qatar.
6: When we heard that Qatar would be hosting the Asian Champions League.
1: So this is Dr. Mazen, the emergency medical doctor for the Amdan Medical Corporation. And uh, he's speaking about the structures um, Qatar put in place um, as a result of the pandemic and how Qatar responded to the pandemic and hosted um, uh, part of the Asian football configurations, tournaments, and how Qatar also hosted the last FIFA World Club Championship. So let's hear from Dr. Mazen Sharaf.
6: I had a strange feeling being in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. We still had not recovered from the pandemic. People were still afraid of gatherings and tournaments. But Qatar is used to facing challenges and succeeding. This characteristic Is embedded in us we accept the challenge and take responsibility
5: no country hosted more top-level football matches at the end of 2020 than qatar 76 first-class matches involving teams from 12 different countries took place in qatar between september and december with all functional areas operating in a strictly regulated, biosecure environment. The planning was a two-stage process. We, on the, in the first stage, there's uh, planning for a big football um, tournament, and of course we have the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy, and they've been working on this for several years now. So they already had things in place, and it obviously just needed to be um, geared towards this tournament. But then the second part of the planning was how to cope with COVID-19. And that required uh, quite a different approach. And we needed to get um, input from many different people, uh, including uh, health and safety and COVID compliance as so well. Korea Republic's Ulsan Hyundai were crowned Asia's top club side at the Algenov Stadium. They will represent Asia in the FIFA Club World Cup Qatar 2020 the next international competition Qatar will be organising. Nine years after Qatar was awarded the hosting rights of the FIFA World Cup, the country staged its first full FIFA competition in December 2019. Club champions of FIFA's six member confederations and their fans descended on Qatar to contest the 15th FIFA Club World Cup. The Club World Cup in 2019 became a festival, uh, not only just
1: a football. So we have the chairman of the local organizing committee, Hassan, speaking about how Qatar used the 2019 FIFA World Club Championship to send a message to the world that it is ready to host the rest of us. So let's listen to His Excellency Hassan Hathawad speak. It was
4: just a big festival, a musical festival, a sporting festival, a cultural festival and so on. There was a lot of gems that we picked up from these. It confirmed that we needed to do it. Continue doing is communicating to fans, listening to fans. We went to Liverpool. We spoke to the spirit of Shakti. We spoke to Liverpool fans. We engaged with the, uh, with the Flamingo fans. We engaged uh, with, with the Mexican fans. We engaged with the team. We listened to them. What what was it? What was the concern? What was the issues? Highlighting the issues. Communicating to them what thought was
5: like. Flamengo fans needed very little encouragement, as they'd been waiting 38 years for this moment. Over 10,000 of them had to make last-minute arrangements to travel 11,000 kilometres to watch their beloved Rubo Negro repeat their 1981 triumph over Liverpool in the old Intercontinental Cup. Sadly for them, Liverpool's Brazilian star, Roberto Firmino, sealed a 1-0 extra-time victory for the Reds their first ever FIFA Club World Cup title. I think one of the, one of the highlights, at least for me personally, was Liverpool winning Champions of the World.
4: It was a great tournament. I mean, we wanted to implement, you know, part of the small little plans that we always talked about that we wanted to implement during the World Cup, during the Club World Cup.
5: The COVID-19 global pandemic affected Qatar's plans to welcome more international fans to the upcoming FIFA Club World Cup edition. FIFA and local authorities have, however, agreed to allow local fans in, albeit in limited numbers. Qatar Stars League champions will represent the hosts and open the tournament against Egypt's Al-Ali.
3: How to hide. We have an important challenge. Um, league, Emirate Cup, Qatar Cup, World Cup Championship and Champions League. We are so proud to represent Qatar. And we want to do our
5: best. This is our target. UEFA representatives Bayern Munich will aim to replicate Liverpool's success and keep the FIFA Club World Cup trophy in Europe for the eighth consecutive season. While FIFA and the local organisers will test two more proposed venues for the biggest show on earth.
1: Yeah. That is the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 magazine show telling us about Qatar's preparedness to host the rest of the world and what they've been up to over the last 11 years since they had the right and won the bid to host the World Cup. It's been fun. It's been exciting. Another another exciting episode um, having you all join us virtually and those that will be listening to us at a later time once the show is uploaded. And um, sincere gratitude and appreciation um, to you, Chase, for making time to join us today on the program to discuss F1 and um, yesterday's one-year ceremony to the World Cup and um, what you also make of uh, the F1 calendar so far and um, your predictions for the final um uh, last two race the saudi grand prix and then the abu dhabi grand prix um, once again also thank you to araba for your consistent consistent and unflinching support throughout the beginning of this program and uh, you've always joined us consistently and you've always um, tuned in to listen to this program um, we sincerely appreciate your support and will continue to ask you to keep supporting the program, keep tuning in, keep inviting people. And hopefully as the app grows and as things develop further and further with the Android application, with the web application, we hope the numbers would increase. Until then, um, our next episode for the FIFA World Cup show will be on Thursday, on Thursday and Friday. Until Thursday, same time, 9 p.m. GMT. 4 p.m. East Coast American time, 10 p.m. Central European time. We spend lovely, 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 lovely time having to spend with you this evening. We'll sign up tonight with our signature tune, the FIFA Anthem. Until same time Thursday, it's been yours truly, Philippa Limo, on the FIFA World Cup show. Thank you.